0: Proverbs chapter 3 5 through 6 where it says trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths And what? so I've kind of gotten off a, a little bit of a branch study and that is uh, what are some of the expected results of trusting in the Lord if, if somebody has truly indeed trusted in the Lord with all their hearts what are some of the uh, blessings what are some of the expectations what are this what are some of the things that we can experience from doing so if we do commit ourselves to the Lord uh, one we can uh, expect guidance and direction in our life as we look to his word for for um, guidance it says it right there in verse 6 of chapter 3 of Proverbs uh, there's also a greater potential for happiness a greater potential for blessing because it is a really living a righteous life is really the better life to live on this planet I don't care what those folks out there are trying to tell you Uh, living a life for the Lord is definitely better uh, to live and also uh, what we're looking at currently is um, there's more potential for material Prosperity, if you go by uh, the Word of God, but really there's uh, definitely more potential for spiritual prosperity. And that's really what we want to do. We want to prosper spiritually. We want to prosper in our relationship with the Lord. And we can do that even though God may bless us materially, you know, uh, we have to keep a right heart attitude uh, and look at those material things as uh, being stewards of those things. And if we go, if we do so biblically, then there is spiritual prosperity also promised. And that's what we're kind of looking at uh, right now is uh, some points, some principles that uh, what, you know, what is our heart attitude towards these things that God has blessed us with in a material sense. So I've listed these eight things up here. Uh, Honor the Lord with our wealth. Remember wisdom has more value in life than wealth. Remember righteous living pays bigger dividends than wealth. Uh, Remember fearing God is our true treasure in life. All of those things relate to honoring the Lord. And then we're starting to look at things that relate to our attitude uh, toward one another uh, and uh, our attitude towards things. So I think what we looked at last week was uh, being diligent is the path to prosperity. I mean, God does not reward laziness, right? And uh, in fact, he speaks against slothfulness and the slugger and all that. But those who are diligent, uh, there is that promise of uh, prosperity. Diligent in, you know, the, the material things in life, but also we need to be diligent in the spiritual things in life, you know? You're not going to know your word unless you do what? read it, study it, memorize it, pray. So it takes diligence, it takes effort, it takes work on our part. Also, I think, uh, I think this is where I got to is recognize the limitations of wealth. S- you know, certain things like you know, money's not gonna buy you, buy you out of death. right? Nobody's gonna be able to escape that. No amount of money is gonna be, and this country spends billions of dollars on that, on that very thing. Um, it's just certain limitations and um I think I almost got all the way through this. I think I had to cut it off because I do have a tendency to become long-winded. That's when everybody says amen. Oh. Okay. All right. We didn't know you were done talking. <laughs> so I I want to conclude this. I only have one little point. I don't know if I hit it or not, but I just want to bring up this one last point and then we'll get into these other two points maybe. Uh, One, concerning the limitations of wealth. I mean we all recognize there's limitations uh, to wealth and um, the last thing I think I want to mention is um, money one of the limitations on wealth is uh, money uh, cannot be trusted in. Right? money cannot be trusted in and money will often lead to one's downfall so that's a limitation on money you can't really trust in it but yet don't we kind of find ourselves doing just that at times we find ourselves trusting in our investments trusting in our bank account trusting in our paychecks we do we find ourselves you gotta have, you gotta have, money, to... you gotta have money but You've got to have money, you're absolutely right, but there are some folks who put their faith in that money. And that's what we got to be careful of. we got to, be, well, I've got all these investments, I'll be okay. You know, I've got this, I bought gold, so I'll be okay. You know, you see that on television all the time. They, they, they play to your fears and try to bolster your security if you go with such fund or if you get this or that. So you've got to be careful. Uh, Proverbs 11.28 says, He that trusteth in his riches shall fall, but the righteous shall flourish as a branch. So you got to be careful. Don't put your faith in something that's temporal, something that has limitations. Uh, this was Paul's warning to the wealthy in the church when he wrote to Timothy, who was the pastor of uh, the church there in Ephesus. In 1 Timothy 6.9-10, Paul says, But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition for the love of money and that's the problem is the root of all evil so it's money that's not the root of all evil it's that love or putting your faith in that money that is the root of all evil which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows so don't trust in money trust in God instead. That's really your better way to go. Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-five says, He that is of proud heart stirreth up strife, but he that putteth his trust in the Lord shall be made fat. And of course, that's that Bible word that talks about being prosperous. Both materially and spiritually. So, in the Bible, it's good to be fat. So, I'm okay. Right? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> You're not supposed to aim in on that one. So, okay, okay. So, riches. Uh, something else you got to uh, think about as far as the limitations of, of of wealth, and and you see this a lot. At least I do. See this a lot. Uh, remember, or at least realize that riches and 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 poverty are not necessarily permanent conditions in one's life they're not necessarily permanent conditions in one's life i remember and at the time when i was a young person i didn't really understand what this man was trying to tell me but i remember being married we had a very young family i think we just had the one child and it was really tough at that time with the the job that I had to make ends meet. Okay, and so I started to fret and I started to worry. And so I went to this friend of mine and I just bore my heart out to him and this is what he told me. He says, well, Jeff, he says, right now, it may be tough for you, but God's using that to build you up in your trust in Him. Allow Him to do that. He says, because I'm going to tell you, uh, this is a temporary situation. He says, everything in our life is temporary. It doesn't last. I didn't understand at the time what exactly he was telling me, but by golly, he was absolutely right, because within a couple of months, two or three months, god put it put in put the opportunity that i got another job that paid a lot better so all of those concerns and things that i was threatened and worrying over god took care of so those things were all temporary and if you stop and think about it everything in this life right now is temporary It is. It's all temporary. It's all temporary. That's what Ecclesiastes chapter, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I think back in the 60s or early 70s they wrote a song using this passage. But look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And when you're there, raise your hand. (laughs) It says, to everything there is a season. Right? And a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. So, what the writer of Ecclesiastes, is Simply saying is this change in life is inevitable change in life is inevitable there are so many different factors in life under the Sun that well, it's like Missouri weather if you don't like the weather today wait until tomorrow it just changes you know that's one of the things that I think a lot of people have a hard time with they look at the here and now and they think everything is either A-OK or everything or the world is ending, right? So we have to be aware that these seasons occur. The main thing that we as believers need to do is trust in the Lord with all of our heart during these times of change, even when it comes to having enough or or not having enough. These things are all temporal. These things are not permanent. Um, All things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. That's that's where all of this changing is all about. God is using these these things to refine us, to, to purify our faith in him, to... Equip us so that, like my friend, can come to a young knucklehead like me and assure me, trust in God; it'll all work out in the end. So that's just something that we have to keep in mind all the time. Uh, whenever you know, on this on this earth, as we as we are on our pilgrimage through this earth there will be changes there will be these cycles in life and there's a lot of pastors who've written these books you know the seasons of life and so forth and so on because it's true it's true i mean uh, we all pass through these seasons the main thing is is we have to trust in god through all of these seasons even when it comes down to the time where i don't know where my next nickel is coming from You just have to realize that there are times of plenty and times of want. Is, is, am I, am, is that understood? You guys understand what I'm saying? Yeah, you young people, uh, you would do well to, to get a hold of that truth early in your life, all right? Because what's going on you know, right now, here and now, is not, is not permanent. It's gonna change. And you just have, you just if you trust in the Lord, then you're going to be better prepared to handle these cycles, to handle these change these changes. All right. So that's that's the last point on our limitations of wealth. Any comments or questions? Okay. All right. Uh, number seven. Recognize the potential. Recognize the potential good that wealth can bring about. Um, The Bible provides instructions about how to be a good steward of those things that God has blessed us with. The Bible even provides good, sound investment advice if you're into that kind of thing. It even provides good, sound investment advice uh, for those who are willing to, to heed it. But unfortunately, so many people refuse to abide by God's wisdom in these things. And um, they tend to use their wealth, uh, not so much for the potential of good, but more so for the potential of evil. Right? More so for the potential of evil. Uh, One of the things that money, that's a good thing, All right. one of the things that is a good thing a good potential of money is that it can provide a cushion for hard times it can provide a cushion for hard times to meet those unexpected um, things that happen you know if you if you manage your wealth in in such a way that you can provide yourself a cushion like when the refrigerator goes on the blink, Or you need a car repair, you know. Um, Again, that's one of the things I had to learn as a young man, you know. Um, We had had an older model automobile when we were first married and the tread on my tire was so slick you could see the reflection of your face in it and so my father-in-law said you need to do something about those tires well the problem was you know i didn't have the money to take care of it so i had to borrow the money to get myself some good some good tires on the car right for my family and stuff but that taught me an important lesson okay dummy what you need to do is you need to set some aside a little bit at a time just for this type of circumstance. Just for this type of circumstance. So, that's a good thing. You know, sets, what is it that old saying set some aside for a rainy day? That's just a smart thing to do. That's a, that's a good thing to do. Um, Proverbs 10.15 says, A rich man's wealth is his strong city. The destruction of the poor is their poverty. That's what rich people do they set these things aside you don't trust in it it's there to be used something else that's kind of nice about setting stuff aside like for instance there's a need in the church you hear somebody who has a need in the church if you've got this set aside you could help that person you could meet that need you know I mentioned the um, the kids the kids camp coming up you know, if you've got a little set aside, you could help someone who may not have it for their kids. So that's a good, good use of setting things aside. So what I'm saying is, it's not, uh, it's not sinful to save. Because there's some out there that that preach that it is sinful to save. No, it's smart. It's smart to save. It's biblical to save. Um. Proverbs thirteen twenty two says, "A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just." So, that's something that's that's something else that's good. That's a good that's potential for good, and that's you know leaving an inheritance behind for your kids. Now, of course, that inheritance you hopefully the in, the, in the main inheritance that you leave behind for your kids is a godly inheritance, right? A godly example, so forth and so on. But there's also, you know, the possibility of leaving behind some sort of material wealth to help to help with your kids. Um, Proverbs thirty-one eighteen says, "This is talking about the virtuous woman. It says she perceiveth that her merchandise is good; her candle goeth not out by night." Now I don't know about uh, uh, your home, but I know in many homes. Uh, generally, um, it's the wife who manages the budget, it's generally the wife who takes care of paying the bills, you know the husband, I'm not saying that's true in all homes, but in a majority of homes, uh, the, the husband just th- hands the paycheck over to the wife and then the wife takes take care of the rest, the groceries, the bills and so forth and so on. Now I'm not saying this is what you need to do it but personally I in my home I'm the one that takes care of the finances I take that burden off of my wife's shoulders she she knows where everything is going because I've got a spreadsheet and I got this spreadsheet laid out and I show her where all this stuff is but I'm the one who takes that burden I'm the one that manages it but That doesn't mean that in the home that the wife doesn't have the input in fact many many times I'll go to Diane and I'll say "Well, what do you think about this or what do you think about that and she's able to from from you know from standing on the outside able to look at things and see things in a way that oh I never thought of that or I never saw it that way okay so so um, so what I say is this and you see this in many many homes and again I got to be careful here because I don't want to step on anybody's toes in many many homes you've got the wife has her finances and the husband has his finances and the two never meet now the Bible says when a man and a wife are married they become what One. one how is that becoming one and what I've seen in those situations is there's more conflict because it seems like the paying of the bills it falls on one person's income more so than the others. No, bring those things together. Bring those things together and both work as one in those matters. Proverbs 31:18 says, she perceiveth that her merchandise is good, her candle goeth not out by night. So in other words she's a very diligent in her home she's a very diligent person uh, you know and, and also being a participant in bringing that that wealth into the home and instead of keeping things separate they come together as one now, you understand what I'm tr- trying to say here I think that's that's the biblical way to do it I think that's really the best way to do it Philippians 414 Notwithstanding ye have done well that ye did communicate with my affliction. This is another good, uh, potential of good in regards to uh, wealth or money. Uh, The word communicate means to, uh, well Paul was in prison. And um, he was in need. Okay? And so this church in in Philippi uh, met his need. Now, from all the commentaries that I've read, this church in Philippi really didn't have it. All right, they really didn't have it, but they gave it anyway. They gave it anyway to Paul, to help Paul, because he was unjustly imprisoned in Roman custody. Back in that day, uh, it wasn't really up to the state to feed and take care of the prisoners. Right? It's, that's it's the same way in a lot of countries, you know, it's not really, the state really doesn't take the obligation to uh, make sure that the, the prisoners are comfortable and they have everything that they that they need. Um, not so in America, but it, there are many countries that if the prisoner doesn't have anybody on the outside to take care for them, then they just more or less do without. Or they do the best they can with, you know, with what you can in that, in, that, in that certain environment. But Paul had some friends, some brothers and sisters in Christ who helped Paul out. That's a good use of one's wealth. You know, we, have, we used to have, and we're trying to get that back up again, we used to have a jail ministry where we would go and preach to the, fellows and the gals and the fellows in jail. And we would invest in that ministry. In fact, there are members, upstanding members of of, of of our church today, that are the fruit of that ministry. Chris Cohen he is the fruit of that ministry. He's one of our deacons. He was he was he was our valedictorian in HBI. Uh, he's led uh, you know some discipleship trips and, or some short-term missionary trips. So that's that's a good investment. That's a good investment. First uh, John 3.17 says, But whoso hath his, this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in, de- but in deed and in truth. If you want to have a good return on your investment in the here and now, then invest in those things that matter for eternity. So a good use of of one's wealth is if there's a need among the body you you're aware of someone who has a need and you are apt and able to meet that need Then that's a good investment you know you don't need to blow your horn about it or let anybody else know about it some people like to do that but go ahead and meet that need if God puts that on your heart you've got the you've got the means to do so that's a good investment. That's a good investment, that's a good use of of, of, uh, wealth. And I I did a a little bit of a study because I was kind of curious about this. Um, Mentioning Paul and the prison and stuff, um, two or three sources that I read talking about that ancient time, uh, they said that charity back in Paul's day and even before Paul's day, charity was a, was a foreign concept. They just simply didn't have it. They just simply didn't have it. Uh, in, in, in that pagan culture, and that culture in Paul's day and back, um, they thought that if you showed compassion to the needy, you were being foolish with your money. Or you were being foolish with your time. If you showed compassion to a beggar or something like that, uh, you were being foolish. That was a foolish thing to do. You guys ever hear of a man by the name of Plato? Yeah, he's really touted as this really smart guy, right? I mean, he's, he's one of the so-called bigwigs that shape society. Well, Plato and men like him said that a poor man should be left to die if he could no longer work. That's Plato. Yeah, what a guy. He says the poor should go. They should. They should just perish if they can't work. Then they're not a benefit to society. Then just let them perish. Just let them perish. That's Plato. And yet, you know, this this is him and his type. Or you know, they're they're touted as being these big big heads. I was watching a program the other day and I won't mention the country but I was watching a program the other day and they were talking about these people going to these temples and burning incense and making all these offerings and stuff like that and they were doing this uh, not because they felt like that they belonged to anything greater than themselves but they were going to this temple and bottom line this is what it was they were going to the temple to bribe their particular deity to get a favor from them that was the whole reason why they were burning incense or they were making these offerings and 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 according to the the presenter the bigger the gifts then the bigger the favor they expected from whatever deity that they were at that time trying to bribe. Uh, But uh, there was no sense of being part of anything bigger or or grander and their loyalty to a particular deity uh, depended upon what this particular deity could do for them. Otherwise if it was a deity that was like a fertility deity because they wanted children then they would go to this particular or if it was a deity that would bless them monetarily then they would go to this deity you see what I'm saying so it was there was no sense of connection no sense of belonging they were just going to the particular deity that would benefit them <clears throat> not so with the Jews And especially not so with Christianity. When Christianity was introduced to the world, a new paradigm was also introduced. Because what Christians started to preach and what Christians started to teach and what Christians started to leave was this. That they were all brothers and sisters in Christ. That they belonged to something bigger than themselves, which was the church. That they were all related, not necessarily by blood that coursed through the veins but rather they were related by the blood that was spilt for their atonement and so with the Christians there was this this oneness this unity this belonging to something greater to themselves and when the pagan cultures saw this in action and heard it being preached it to them was this is this is just off-the-wall stuff in fact if you remember the wise guys on Mars Hill that's what they said about Paul's doctrine they wanted to hear about this strange and new doctrine because it was it was just bizarre to them to think that a people believe that they belong to each other and belong to something greater than themselves it was just it was just bizarre and as time progressed and the gospel spread uh, those following the teachings of Jesus and the Apostles such as Paul and Peter and John they were motivated by compassion to reach out to others by compassion to reach out to others and like I just read about Plato they just they just couldn't comprehend this kind of this kind of attitude. And from this compassion for others, hospitals, orphanages, lepisarians, hospices for the dying, all of these charitable works started to come into being. Started to come into being. And for those who followed Jesus, it was the poor, the sick, the homeless, the prisoner, the unemployed, the stranger, and the dying. They were now made the focus of God's of their love because of God's love for them. So the next time you read somebody bashing Christianity and Christianity is is a reason for all of our problems, don't you believe it? Christianity is what fixes things, not makes things, not make things worse. But that's the narrative out there. We're the problem. We're the problem. One of the historians that I read said, A world from which the gospel had been banished would surely be one in which millions more of our fellow men would go unfed, unnursed, unsheltered, and uneducated. And this man was a secular historian. All right, he didn't necessarily claim to be a Christian but this was a secular historian looking at history by the facts and interpreting history according to the facts I also looked up this past year uh, American Christians gave 471 billion dollars to different charities even under COVID Even under COVID, when everybody was locked down and couldn't work and all that kind of stuff, they gave 471 billion dollars. What a testament! All right, what a testament to the Lord Jesus Christ and His Church. Yeah, there's been a few examples of benevolence shown from pagan individuals, but really, it's Christianity that all of these charitable works, all these hospitals all of these institutes of learning which have gone by the wayside, they all find their roots in men and women who were motivated by uh, their, their relationship with Christ. So that's a good, that's a good investment. A good investment. Uh, let's see, what time is it? Okay. Uh, this, number eight, recognize the potential evil that money can cause in relationships. Any questions or comments on what I just covered? Okay, so you just got grumpy faces on because you're just grumpy, right? Is that what it is? All right. think about that money I don't have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, sometimes, uh, sometimes, money has a tendency to cause... Um, Problems and relationships with others—is that a true statement? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes uh, money can cause some um, some hardships, in in, in in families can cause some cause some evil things to take place. Uh, Proverbs fourteen twenty says, "The poor is hated even of his own neighbor, but the rich hath many friends." The poor is hated even. Even of his own neighbor, but the rich hath many friends. <clears throat> rich people tend to receive more attention <laughs> than a poor person does. Um, now, first of all, if there's any rich people in here, understand I'm not bashing rich people. I'm just pointing out some things that the Bible says. And just because you're a rich person doesn't necessarily mean you're an evil person. And just because you're a poor person doesn't necessarily mean you're a righteous person. Okay, so I want that understood right up. <clears throat> but it's it's true. It seems like rich people tend to receive more attention from others than poor people do. A lot of times, and we see this, a lot of times rich people are, are shown favoritism. Uh, sometimes they, they get special seating. Sometimes they're given special privileges. Uh, a lot of times they're given public praise, you know. Uh, Whether they deserve it or not, (laughs) they're going to get it anyway. Uh, They have an influence upon society simply because they're wealthy. And uh, some of those guys, I'm sorry, they shouldn't have the influence on society that they do just because they are wealthy. Just because you're wealthy doesn't necessarily mean you're a good influence on society. But they do. They have this influence on society just because they're rich. Well, he's rich, so he must know, you know, something. But they do get they get this special treatment. I had a I had a friend of mine uh, who was very obvious about this favoritism. Uh, we would be hanging out together. We'd be talking in a in, a, in a, a group setting, and you know he'd just be you know yucking it up with the rest of us you know folks. But as soon as a wealthy person or as soon as a A very, you know, uh, 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 a big, prominent CEO type came into the room. Uh, All of a sudden, it was like we'd look over to where our friend is, and there'd be a cup suspended in midair. Because he would break his neck to get to where the big wig was, so he could rub shoulders with the big wig that's just the way he was just kind of like Peter when the folks showed up from James and and Peter separated himself from the Gentile believers that's what our friend would always do because he had the had this idea in his head he wanted to rub shoulders with the the rich and the powerful and it's I think it's it's even in churches turn to James chapter 2 it's even in churches sometimes we see the same kind of behavior in churches in James chapter 2 wait for everybody to get there In James chapter 2 verse 1 he says my brethren have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ the Lord of glory with what respect, respect of persons for if there come into your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand there there, stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves? And are become judges of evil thoughts? Now my wife can testify to this, but we attended a church many years ago. And a particular man and his wife, who were quite wealthy, quite influential, very prominent in the community, uh, one Sunday they decided to bless our church and show up for service. So they pulled in front of the church in this big old shiny car, and I was amazed at how many deacons tripped over themselves to get to this door of this car and they two of them literally fought over who was going to open the door to let these people out and then even some of the associate pastors fawned all over this couple. Why? That was the one and only time this couple showed up to the church. But why? Because of their wealth their status Yet if a homeless person showed up nobody would be that excited. exactly, exactly. That's exa- but that's human nature isn't it that is that's human nature and the thing is whether you're rich or you're poor one of these days we're all going to stand before the Lord and he has no respecter of persons. so whether you come to church in a limousine or you show up to church in a VW beetle it makes no difference to him. Makes no difference to him. Whether rich or poor, one day we will all stand before the Lord. Proverbs 22.2 2 says, the rich and poor meet together, the Lord is the maker of them all. Ecclesiastes Ex- 8.8. Try saying Ecclesiastes when you got well, never mind. Ecclesiastes 8.8 there is no man that hath power over the spirit to retain the spirit, neither hath he power in the day of death, and there is no discharge in that war, neither shall wickedness deliver those that are given to it. There's no respecter of persons with God, and there shouldn't be with us. And there shouldn't be with us. It shouldn't make any difference if you know somebody comes in with a $3,000 Armani suit, or somebody comes in with a t-shirt and blue jeans. Shouldn't make any difference. Proverbs nineteen four says, "Wealth maketh many friends, but the poor is separated from his neighbor." They say money opens doors, and it does, doesn't it? Yeah, you grease the palm, and that door will open up. Uh, if you're rich, yeah seems like lots of doors are open up to you but when it comes to the poor it's almost like the poor have to practically beat the the door down um, also if you're rich uh, for rich people they got to be careful um, concerning uh, the people who want to be their friends uh, the rich always don't seem to be without friends always don't seem to be without friends. Remember the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15? Luke 15, 14, and when he had spent all there arose a mighty famine in that land and he began to be in want and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent sent him into his fields to feed swine. While this young man had all that money, he had all the friends he needed but as soon as that money ran out, what happened to the friends? (laughs) They took off and left this guy to feed pigs. As long as this man had money, he had friends. You know, so don't be surprised if you find yourself lacking funds that certain people will no longer want to associate with you. In, In 16, it says. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk, and the swine did eat, and no man gave him unto him. So was he picking stuff out of? Yes, he was. Yeah, he was helping himself to whatever it was he was feeding the pigs. Yeah, in order to survive. Because even the guy who hired him didn't seem to be taking care of him. Yeah. Yeah, but, but yeah, don't be surprised if you find yourself on hard times, all of a sudden your fair weather friends take off. We had that happen to us, didn't we, sweetheart? Yeah. All those people that claim to be our friends, we're buddy buddies, we fell on hard times and whoa, where'd they go? We've had that issue. Yeah. My yeah. Yeah, they they just kind of disappear like smoke, don't they? That's tough. That really hurts. But it happens. Proverbs nineteen seven says, All the brethren of the poor do hate him. How much more do his friends go far from him? He pursueth them with words, yet they are wanting to him. That's that's tough. That's tough. Now I'm not wanting to put anybody on a guilt trip, and if I have, I apologize. Maybe that maybe that's a spirit. But uh, who of us, and we see him everywhere, who of us at one time or another hasn't seen one of these folks sitting beside the road? like at a stop sign or, or, or a traffic light with a little sign, and who of us hasn't avoided eye contact with them? Am I the only one? I strategically park my vehicle so the A-pillar's blocking. There you go. <laughs> you made my point. <laughs> yeah, there's- I have given before though. Yeah, yeah, I understand. I get that. But what I'm saying is, you know, there, you know, there's that, there's that passage in in the Proverbs. It's so true. It's just so true. You know, it's, you know, I, I sometimes I, you kind of wonder: is this guy legit? Is this gal legit? Or are they really in need? You know, nowadays you really don't know. How about this? Who hasn't uh, received a phone call from a person? who is always in need. And every time this person makes a phone call to you, you know that that person's gonna ask something from you. Right? Because that's the only time you ever hear from this individual is, I need this and I need that. And so if you got caller ID and you see that person's name, you fail to answer the phone. <laughs> ah, am I the only one? Yeah it happens it happens but that's you know that's 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 another topic I guess because there are those unfortunately there are those who can be a constant strain on one's compassion and one's generosity it just seems like they never seem to get it together it always seems it's one crisis following another crisis. it's like they never seem to get it together that's that kind of individual What I'm trying to say, I guess what I want to point is, is is don't let those folks jade you to those who truly need the help. Does that make sense? Because that can happen. If you've got that situation in your life, that can harden you against folks who truly need the help. And don't let that do that. Don't, don't, Don't let them do that to you. Don't let them do that to you. Sometimes if you've got stuff, uh, you become a target of thieves. That's also an evil associated with um, wealth, having stuff. Uh, Ecclesiastes 5, 10 through 12. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver. Well, that's another evil. I remember—I uh, can't remember the guy's name. Somebody asked, and he was extremely wealthy man. And he was asked one day, "How much is enough? How much is enough money?" And this wealthy man—I mean, this was a billionaire—he says, "There's never enough money." And the guy had absolutely billions of dollars. He says there's never so he that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor no, he that loveth abundance with increase. You know, it's never enough. This is also vanity. When goods increase, they increase that eat them. Right? Your posse gets bigger and bigger, because there's always somebody wanting to cash in on you. And what good is there, what good is there to the owners thereof, saving be, the beholding of the of them with their eyes? That's another evil. You know, you accumulate all this stuff. You always read about these people, these rich people who accumulate all these stuff. They've got two or three homes, and these has got all these cars. They've got garages and warehouses filled with cars. Are they gonna be able to drive all their cars in a life? No, they're just there for them to look at. What good does that do them or anybody to just sit there and look at that stuff? That's also an evil of wealth, the accumulation of stuff, and all you can do is look at it. Then he says, the sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eat little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not suffer them to sleep. Why is that? Because they're always worrying about the stuff they have, and how they're going to hang on to it, and how they can get more. So there's really no peace, no sleep. And they're always afraid of somebody coming to what? Take it away from them. On the average, the Amer- our, the American people spend 20, $21 billion on security systems. $21 billion on security systems. This is just for the homes. We're not talking businesses and stuff like that. Twenty-one. And another statistic that I read, this is kind of unnerving. Every 18 seconds, there's a house in America being burglarized. Every 18 seconds. So no wonder we're spending 21 billion dollars on home security. Every 18 seconds, somebody's breaking into a house or some sort of property. It just seems like the more a person has, the more there are who desire to take it away from them. Proverbs 13 8 kind of in the same vein the ransom of of a man's life are his riches but the poor heareth not rebuke Um, when um, kidnappers choose a target they choose the poorest most destitute person on the street to kidnap don't they? (laughs) no No. who do they choose choose. somebody who's wealthy A, a son or daughter A man or woman who's wealthy you know when when business women and businessmen go out on trips to foreign countries especially certain foreign countries they are always told keep your head on a swivel always be alert be careful where you go what you do why is that because there are groups of people you know splinter groups whatever who target rich business Persons to kidnap them to try to get their companies to give them a ransom so they can fund whatever splinter group they are. Did you? W- yeah, I saw something uh, not too long ago on Reddit, and it was the question: Okay, rich people, what is something that to you is common, but to people that aren't rich would be just unheard of? And they said kidnapping insurance. Yeah, kidnapping insurance. Just. Yeah, yep. It's crazy. It is crazy, but that's who they target. I mean they're not gonna they're not gonna pick some derelict up off the street and, and expect ransom from him. No, they're gonna go for, they're gonna go for the rich. They're gonna go with yeah, they're gonna go with somebody who's going to you I get a travel for free? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well maybe not for free, but you probably won't be harassed. Yeah. But that's another thing, if they see Americans in a lot of mentalities, they figure Americans are all rich. So even Americans, just because of your citizenship can be you can be a target. Right. So uh, Proverbs twenty-eight, eleven: another evil the rich man is wise in his own conceit but the poor that hath understanding searcheth him out uh, you know often you'll see this uh, often uh, you'll have rich men and rich women just because they're rich they think that everything that comes out of their mouth are gems of wisdom I can name names but I'm not going to <laughs> okay you did it for me yeah there are men and women out there who are filthy rich but it seems like they think everything they say everybody ought to go ooh and ah. Oh, yeah that's what we ought to do no no that's not what we ought to do um they have they also have a tendency to um in their own conceit like you know what they're all about is the most important thing in the world, and they have no no concern for the regular Joe on the street. Um, there's a book written by C.S. Lewis called the Screw Tape Screw Tape Letters. Anybody ever read the Screw Tape? That's quite a book. But the Screw Tape Letters um, is written about from the viewpoint of a master demon. I guess you would call him who was mentoring, his name was Screwtape, who was mentoring a lesser demon on how to tempt a particular man that this lesser demon was in charge of to, you know, to target. And uh, this uh, master demon in advising the lesser demon, he, he says this, he says, elitist humanities or elitist humans have a tendency toward an ingrained habit of belittling anything that concerns the great mass of their fellow man. Alright, so in other words, they live in a bubble, right? And their perspective is what exists within this bubble. And what goes on with the common man is unimportant. It doesn't even cross their radar screen. Paris Hilton once quipped, what's a soup kitchen? right there's the bubble there's that elitist mentality and some of the rich have this elitist mentality those who are poor which would include myself when we see that or hear that we see right through that don't we why do you think that is because we have not created for ourselves this little insulated bubble of elitism because of our wealth. We see life from what it really is, whereas they struggle with that. Why do you think all these rich people have this grand plan for the world, this globalization? Because they live in this rarefied air of their own gas. <laughs> yeah that's a soapbox I have to get off my soapbox but that's the problem they don't live in reality it's where a lot of our politicians exist they think everything you know everything that's of importance is right there in Washington they have no idea what's going on and those of us who live in the real world we see right through that through that um, bubble (laughs) <laughs> okay, Proverbs 22, one: a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver gold. So it's better to have a, a good reputation rather than all the money in the world. Um, again, talking about the, the wealthy and this conceit that they live in. You guys, it's, it, this is fairly recent history, surely you remember this. When the COVID pandemic was going on and we would, we would be watching uh, television, certain, so, certain programs, I don't spend a lot of time with them, but I kind of sail through them just to kind of see, okay, this is what's going on with this kind. But uh, during the COVID pandemic, I remember watching the celebrities, the beautiful people, how they were all spouting such things of how tough it was during the lockdown and how hard it was uh, for them during the, uh, the, the, the lockdown. And they were, you know, encouraging the masses, you know, to hang in there. We're all in this together kind of shtick. And yet a lot of these beautiful people, a lot of these celebrities, they weren't locked down in a little three-room apartment. They were locked down in a 20-room mansion with their own pool and their own staff. But yet, we're, all, we're in all this together kind of stuff. In fact, one of our favorite politicians is uh, recorded in having her hair done in a salon without a mask. But we're all in this together. That's that rarefied bubble they live in. Okay, enough of that. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> Proverbs 13, 7, 13, verse 7 says, There is that maketh himself rich, yet hath nothing. There is that maketh himself poor, yet hath great riches. You know, there, you know the, the rich people, I've got to be careful. Those who have the wrong biblical perspective about wealth, let me put it that way because not all rich people fit into this, but those who have the wrong biblical perspective about life in general uh, have this tendency to make themselves appear to be something that they're really not. And so, um, you know, they they do all this boasting and all this bragging, and yet they're really very shallow, not happy, it's all pretend. They live in a pretend world. That—that is—that is a danger of a wrong, hard attitude toward wealth. That is a danger. You create yourself this make-believe make world, and this applies not only to the wealthy. It applies to politicians. It even applies to some pastors. It even applies to pastors. They also have a tendency to lord over people. Proverbs 22.7 The rich ruleth over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. Sometimes just because a person has more than another they feel as though they have the right to lord over other people. We kind of see that going on right now in this world. One of the most, uh, one of the, you know, there's two ways to gain control over people. Either brute brute force, or you get a hold of their purse string, uh, their purse strings. You either control them physically through brute force, or you can control them by their money. Control them by their money. Um, credit card abuse. People become enslaved to their credit card co- uh, companies. They get themselves so deep into debt that there's just no way of extricating themselves from it. Um, financial institutions will loan. They will loan money to po- folks that they know that these folks can't possibly make the make the payments, but they'll do it anyway. The debt, Jeff, is <coughs> where you get in there between interest and usury. Yeah. In fact, there's usury laws just for that very reason. Yep. Just for that very reason, there's usury laws. You know, let me bounce off that. I have a client in the finance industry that charges 657% interest on their loans because they are not run by the usury laws because they run off of Indian reservations. Wow. Wow. So you talk about a thousand. Yeah. $6,000. Yeah. And wow. That's amazing that they're even getting away with that. It is. Yeah, that's the reason why usury laws were written, but there's always a way to get around these things. And they know how to do it. They know how to do it. All right, I'm going to have to stop there. Kind of um but Anyway, the main thing is it's so it's so important. Even in the matter of what do I keep saying? What is it that God looks on? That's really behind it all, isn't it? It's the hard attitude in all of these things. Uh, Whether you have a lot of money or you don't have a lot of money, it's the hard attitude that is so key, that is so vital. And that's what God looks at. That's what God blesses. And I'm going to cover that a little bit in my last couple of points because we're almost done with this. But um, that is the main thing is a hard attitude and and that is the big struggle that we all wrestle with i think is our hard attitude because it's so easy for us to get caught up in you know the, the the flavor of the day or get so caught up in the stress of the need or the want uh so that you know if, you, if you're going to pray anything about yourself pray god always give me the right biblical heart attitude in this matter you know if there's something going on that should be the number one um, on your hit parade, parade prayer list I almost said parade list <laughs> hit parade list that should be the number thing on your prayer list is God my heart attitude uh, I remember when I was going to lose uh, when they were closing the plant uh, where I worked for almost 40 years they're just they're just going to close the plant And I do remember, I remember going, you know, we weren't, uh, and they were closing the plant down and people were losing their jobs. And, you know, I wasn't sure if I was going to hang around for much longer and so forth and so on. But I remember getting into my little closet and I just used that in a, you know, in a symbolic way but getting by myself and and saying lord you know if i lose my job if you know if if you fix it to where you know we're wondering where we're going to get our next meal for i said i said lord i'm going to trust in you with all of that the number one thing lord i want you to help me and that is protect my heart attitude that i do not fret that i do not worry that i s- stay faithful to you, and that I trust in you, come what may. That was my number one prayer, and He answered it. He answered it. You treat your employer like you do Jesus. Yeah. So, so that's the main thing is your heart attitude. That's that's the whole point of this whole thing, is what is your heart attitude in, in all of these things? In all of these things. So, any questions or comments before we close out? I've just got a few more items here. I will say this: what I'm also thinking of doing is um, I'm thinking of taking a hiatus is that the right word from the book of Proverbs and I'm thinking about uh, tackling a, another book because I don't want you guys to become weary because I know I have a tendency to to suck all the marrow out of the bone <laughs> <laughs> and, and I don't want to leave you with a dry hollow bone okay so uh, so I'm thinking about maybe taking a break from um, Proverbs And maybe tackling a really light book like Hebrews, (laughs) I'm still praying on that. But I just want to let you guys know. So if one day we come in and we're, you know, we're reading the book of Ecclesiastes or you know some light book, then that's the reason why. All right. So I just want to give you a heads up on that. That's that's kind of the way I think I'm, I'm being I'm being led because I don't want you guys to get burned out on Proverbs, because Proverbs is my, is one of my favorite Amen. go-to. Yeah, it's, I look at it as a springboard of truth. I don't know how many times I've read through Proverbs, and it's sent me into deeper places in the Word of God. Every time. Yeah, pretty much. So I just don't want you guys to get burned out on that. Does that make sense? Yep. Now, if you want me to keep going in Proverbs, we can still cover the last three last three things, but I guarantee it's going to take 10 years. All right, all right. Just let me know what your thoughts are. All right, so let's go ahead and, and close in prayer. If there's no comments or anything, I appreciate everybody showing up. And Ron, I am so good. To, I'm so glad to see you. Because I thought that it was my turn to come pick you up, and you weren't here, and so I'm fretting and worrying. Maybe I forgot. So I shouldn't fret, brothers. Uh huh. I know I shouldn't fret, but I just of that too. yeah. Okay. Well, they said you came in with sweat on your brow, so you must have walked here. <laughs> okay all right let's go ahead and have a word of prayer and then we'll we'll be dismissed father in heaven we thank you lord for your word and how deep and how rich it is and lord i just <laughs> i just scratched the surface with this stuff i mean that's that's all i'm able to do right now is just scratch the sur- surface with this stuff uh so father in heaven i i thank you lord that your word is written in such a way that a that a kid in grade school could understand it but also, Father, in the, same way, in the same vein, it's it's written to where a, a, a genius could spend a lifetime and still not comprehend all that is contained. We thank you, Father, for the richness of your word. We thank you, Father, in heaven, for your son, Jesus Christ, who has made us heir of all things. We thank you, Father, in heaven, for your love for us, your compassion. We pray now, Lord God in heaven, that we don't take your word lightly, but we treasure it as it truly is our treasure. We thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. doing well, Matt. How are you doing? Very well. Good. Yeah. I didn't see your wifey. Uh, I she was doing oh, there you go. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. right. You guys do help out in that. She does. That, right? Oh, she does. I <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah. yeah we moved here about a year ago. Oh, wow. uh, he's from Olay Foundation. <sighs> what did you say the name of that book was? Screw, S- screw tape. Screw tape Letters. 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 By C. S. Lewis. Yeah, it's um Yeah. It's written from a demon's perspective. It's kind of a spooky book. But it's also It'll scare me. Then it's kind of insightful too. It really is. Okay. So, yep. Screw tape. Screw tape. One word. Letters or letters. He's writing a letter to this demon, kind of like Paul wrote letters to the churches. Um, okay. C.S. C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis. Yeah. Yep. Hi, Emmett. Yeah. How are you, sir? I am. Dot. Yep. Sure enough. So that's it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. I had a encumbered right hand earlier. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I do. How are you? Good. Oh, did I ever turn this off? No, I didn't.